Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. There have been a lot of spiritual moms uh, here in this church that have cared for us and uh, Virginia Tech RUF uh, really well. And so um, thank you. Uh, We appreciate that. Um, It is a privilege to be here and fun to be standing here in this pulpit, in this room, uh, in this sanctuary. Uh, My first visit to Christ the King was back in 2011, eight years ago. And um, I remember thinking, man, that's, that's a lot of work to get this North Cross School set up every Sunday. And uh, I, y'all know that way more than me. Um, but it is uh, just a culmination of tons of prayer and uh, sacrifice and hard work. And it is uh, just beautiful to see God's uh, faithfulness. He has been at work here in Roanoke and uh, building his church. And uh, here, here we are. And um, it is, it's just really uh, a privilege uh, for me to be able to preach here um, and to see how God is going to continue to work. If you're new, um, welcome. We're so glad uh, that you're here. Uh, my name is Andy. I'm the RUF campus minister at Virginia Tech for a few more weeks. RUF is the, uh, the campus ministry of the Presbyterian Church in America. And there are about 150 campus ministries here in the U.S. and a handful um, overseas. And um, we put an ordained pastor on campus to build a community, uh, to shepherd students, to love people, and to preach the gospel on campus. And uh, it's been a privilege to do that uh, for eight years at Virginia Tech. And I'm I'm the second campus minister there. Heath will be our third. And uh, this fall will be 15 years of ministry on campus for RUF. And so it's, um, it's just a real, um, it, it, it's neat to be a part of that ministry, to see God's faithfulness, not just here in Roanoke, but in Blacksburg, and to see uh, the community and the students that have graduated uh, out of our ministry and um, uh, come to churches like this one and hopefully serve and give their lives away for the gospel. And so, um, thanks for your prayers and support over the years. I'm going to give you, uh, as a parting gift, a few more ways to pray for us, um, uh, for our ministry. Heath and Jane McGlawn and their three kids are moving up sometime this summer. They're trying to find housing in Blacksburg, and it's hard. Uh, It's difficult to find a place. Um, So if you would just pray for them, that they would be able to find a place where they can um, live, and uh, it, their home really will be, like ours has been, the, the center of, of ministry for RUF. Uh, we don't have a, a, a building on campus that we can use, and we don't, um, we don't have one off campus. It really is our home, and we're uh, doing a ton of hospitality and welcoming students into our home. So just pray that Heath and Jane would find a home uh, where they could really um, open their home to students, and that they could see uh, the, the light and truth of the gospel there. Uh, you can pray for us. We leave uh, Friday. Our students leave Saturday. We have a, over 50 students going to summer conference down in Panama City Beach, Florida. It's really the culmination of a year's worth of ministry. Uh, we go down to Panama City Beach. There are uh, three weeks of summer conference, about 2,500 students overall. Um, from around the country come down for a week of, of teaching and uh, spending time together on the beach. This year we're going to be building um, sheds for um, some hurricane relief uh, when, I think it was Hurricane Michael came through um, just in the fall. Um, 
it was pretty devastating in Panama City Beach. And so we'll be building some sheds um, to give to people whose homes have been damaged where they can lock some of their goods away while the work is being done on their home. And so um, just be in prayer for our week at summer conference. Pray for safety and travel for all of our students, for just a good week of being together, for all of the speakers, um, everything that we'll be doing down there. It really is um, just a beautiful, as we've been working to get to know students, um, they're bringing friends. We have um, a handful of, of folks who are still questioning, trying to figure out if the gospel is true, and um, trying to learn more about who Jesus is. And so just, just pray that relationships would be built, friendships would be deepened, and that um, lives would be changed uh, through summer conference. Uh, you can pray for our family. Uh, I, I'm taking a new job within RUF as the area coordinator for the state of Texas. It's similar to what Jason Little is doing here in Virginia and West Virginia and all of those places. I'll be overseeing the ministry uh, on 13 campuses in the state of Texas. Uh, we're going to live in Fort Worth, and I'll be uh, doing some pastoring of, of campus ministers and their families of our campus staff and interns. Uh, I'll be coaching, uh, trying to help grow those ministries. Um, and I'll, I'll be working with presbyteries there. I'll be working with three presbyteries to try to start new campus ministries. We already have a couple uh, sort of in the works, in the beginning stages. We'd love to see ministries started at UT Arlington and uh, Texas Southern, a historically black college and university uh, in Houston. And so we're, we're really uh, hopeful to see those get started along with uh, the, mi the ministries at TCU and SMU and uh, Texas A&M and UT Austin and a handful of other places. And so we're excited. Amy's a TCU grad, so uh, I went to Tech. We lived in Blacksburg for a while. Now we're going to move to Fort Worth and live there. Um, we're excited. We're sad to be leaving uh, Blacksburg, to be leaving Virginia Tech. Um, so just we covet your prayers for our family as we transition. Um, we are excited. Uh, there's some great churches there in the Fort Worth area. We're, we're looking forward to getting uh, plugged in there. It's going to be a pretty crazy couple of months. We'll go to summer conference. I'll start my new job June 1st and have to travel uh, a couple of weeks over the summer for that. We have some um, family here in Virginia and we're doing a couple of weeks of uh, vacation with them before we leave and then we'll drive um, we'll drive to Fort Worth uh, July like 19th and 20th, something like that. So it's going to be a crazy couple of months. So if y'all would pray for us as well. Um, as we uh, turn to our scripture passage, I'd love for you to turn in your uh, Bibles or in the order of service to Hebrews uh, chapter 11. We're going to start uh, in the middle of chapter 11 and read the first few verses of chapter 12. I got to preach on the, the book of Hebrews this semester with our students, and, and I was pretty intimidated. It's a, it's a difficult book if you know much about the book of Hebrews. Um, it's, it's full of Old Testament uh, uh, references, uh, quotes. It really is uh, written to a group of uh, ethnically Jewish Christians. Uh, we believe in Rome. We don't know who wrote it. It was written in about 60-ish A.D., about 30 years after Jesus' uh, death and resurrection. And uh, the gospel has spread this far all the way to Rome. And a, a small house church had started uh, maybe 15 people, we're not exactly sure, pretty a small number. And uh, they were following hard after Jesus, and then the circumstances of their lives got really complicated. Um, an emperor came that uh, was definitely not friendly uh, to Christianity, 
and uh, began to persecute Christians. It was okay to be Jewish, it was not okay to be Christian. And so this house church began to feel the pull and the temptation just to step back into the more comfortable, more familiar Jewish faith, into the rites and practices of the Old Testament. And so their pastor writes them this letter. It's really a sermon letter. Uh, I'd encourage you to read it. It, it's, it won't take you that long. I, we don't read a lot of long passages um, anymore. Often we just read little snippets of the Bible. So I'd encourage you, if you have some time this afternoon, maybe this week, read the, read the book of Hebrews. Maybe it might take you an hour. Um, or listen to it. You can find it online. You can listen to the audio of it. Uh, it really is a beautiful uh, book. It's one of the more complicated books uh, grammatically in the New Testament, and um, it is, um, it's, it's deep and rich. And this pastor, as he writes this sermon letter to his people, his basic premise is this, Jesus is better. All of the things that you did in Judaism, all of the things that you would have practiced in the Old Testament, everything that you've read there was pointing to Jesus. He is the fulfillment, the culmination. He is what all of that was about. So at whatever cost, however difficult your life may be, don't leave him to go to something that's inferior. Don't walk away from Jesus who is better than the angels, chapter 1, better than Moses, chapter 3, better than the sacrificial system, 5 through 10, better than any of those things. Jesus is better. He's the one who truly saves. He's the one who has come and worked once and for all as a sacrifice. He is the great high priest who offered himself the spotless lamb to take away the sins of his people He is the one who has done all of those things. Don't shrink back. Even if you lose your property, even if you were to lose your life, Jesus is better and he holds you in the palm of his hand. As you read, that's the the sentiment. That's the picture over and over again as you walk through the book. Jesus is better than this facet of the Old Testament. Jesus is better than this person. Jesus comes as this mysterious figure, a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. You can read about him in chapters 6 and 7. He is the the high priest, the one who has come to work on our behalf. And he's made a sacrifice once and for all. That's Hebrews chapter 10. And then the, the book begins to change. The sermon letter begins to change. And uh, it switches from how Jesus is better to then we see a list in Hebrews chapter 11. If you've been around Christianity at all, maybe you were in a children's Sunday school class and you heard of the Hall of Faith, right? Similar to the Hall of Fame, right? Where the, the pastor is writing and he starts to give an example of all of these people in the Old Testament who put their faith in Jesus. Now, they may not have been able to say that Jesus was a Nazarene who would be born in Bethlehem and all of these things, but they pointed their hearts, they leaned their faith, they they put their trust into God who would come and save them. And so you get statements like this in chapter 11. 
By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. So the pastor gives a litany of names. All of these people who have exhibited this faith and trust, this forward-looking hope as a way to encourage us. And our passage this morning is going to pick up at the end of this litany of Old Testament characters. It starts in verse 32, and it's God's word for us this morning. I'm going to read it and then pray for us. Hebrews eleven thirty two, And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, and put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and, every, and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted." This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord God, we do thank you for your love and your grace to us. We thank you that you are so kind as to give us your word. Would you encourage us this morning? Would you work by your spirit to make Jesus more beautiful and believable to us? That our hope and our confidence and our perseverance in him would grow. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look at this passage this morning, we want to see simply uh, that we are surrounded first, that we are to lay off every weight, and that we are to look to Jesus. Now, what does it mean that we're surrounded? I think it can be easy in our culture to feel like this thing between me and Jesus is really just that, between me and Jesus. Right In a culture that would say that the individual matters more than anything else. In a culture that would would preach that that your truth is simply your truth. That mine is 
mine, and as long as my truth doesn't step on your truth, we're, we're good. In a culture that would believe those things, the Bible comes to us with a completely different picture. The Bible comes to us and, and says that we are not alone. And this faith that we receive isn't just ours alone. And if we try to go it by ourselves, we will fall. One of the things that we've been hearing, we've, we've done, it feels like a, a month of goodbyes already. We have two more months to, to, be, to be here. But it feels like we've done a month of goodbyes and we're doing a lot of goodbyes. And it, um, it's beautiful and it's hard. Um, but one of the things that we keep hearing is all about community. That to our students, RUF has been a place for them to be known and for them to be loved and cared for. And that, that's a testament to God's faithfulness. We've, we've had some part in that, but God has been gracious to our students and they love each other well. And there really is this picture of family that's been created on, on campus. And the this passage, this pastor is coming to these people and he's saying, some of you are tempted to give up meeting together. Some of you are tempted because of the persecution that you're facing to hide, to step back into the shadows or to give up the things that you believe and, and don't do that. You need each other. You need to know that you are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses that have gone on before you. We stand on the shoulders of giants, of people who have put their faith in God. If you're new to this church, right, even the, the history of Christ the King is one of a great cloud of witnesses. We could go back to the, the very beginning of the, of the origination of this church and hear about the hopes and dreams that there would be a gospel outpost here. That, the gospel, that, that God would give in his kindness a place for his people to come and to be fed and to be cared for and to be nourished. And that we're here this morning is a testament to that fact. The same can be said at VTRUF and the same can be said of our denomination. And we can go on and on. You were not made to be alone. You stand on the shoulders of giants. Your faith is not just your own. You are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses in the ways that Abraham leaned forward and looked by faith for the promises that were to come. Sarah, Jacob, Moses, all the way down the line, they show us what it looks like for us to put our faith in Jesus. Now we, in a sense, know way more than they knew because Jesus has come. Because we have the fulfillment of those promises in Jesus who came 2,000 years ago. We have the writing of the New Testament. We have God's full and complete revelation given to us. But our posture is the same. Surrounded by a cloud of witnesses, encouraged by other believers, we are able to lean forward and put our hope and trust and faith in Jesus. 
we're able to look through the present realities of our situation, right? Things are pretty good here right now, right? There's a ton of encouragement and a ton of things to be excited about. New building and all of these things. Things are also hard. Life is also challenging for some of us. There are things that we face that are terrifying, There are things that we face that we would rather not, and we can feel that same temptation to pull away, to fall back into what's comfortable, to fall back into what's easy. And this cloud of witnesses serves as a reminder to us to lean into the hope of the resurrection, to lean into the hope of all that Jesus has come to do. We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. They experienced some pretty amazing things. Right? All of chapter 11 tells us that, the end of chapter 11, particularly. We, time would fail to tell of all of the stories. Right? We'll have eternity to be able to hear all of those. But look at all of the things that they were able to do through their faith in God. But they didn't receive the promises. But that not receiving the full promise didn't stop them from trusting in God. They were able to see the promises of God as greater and stronger and more powerful and meaningful than their current realities. They were able to trust in Jesus. Even if they couldn't explain all of the details of that yet, they were able to look forward and to lean into that hope. And we are called to do the same thing, surrounded by one another. And it could be that you do that in the smallest of ways. It could just be a smile, a hello, a how can I pray for you on Sunday morning. It could be in small groups, in community groups, as you walk together and do life together. You are pulling each other up. You are your brother's keeper. You have a commitment to one another. We just saw it in the baptismal vows for Ridley, right? You, if you are a member of this church, you just committed yourself to be responsible for his spiritual growth and care. That is an exercise of being a cloud of witnesses, of calling one another to deeper faith and greater hope in Jesus. And as we do that, we're able then to lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and to run with endurance the race that is set before us. A couple things here as we think about laying aside every weight. Um, have you guys, uh, I'm, I hate running, um, and it, it, um, it, it, yeah, I really hate it. Um, there's a, there's a, Amy does a lot of CrossFit, I have, have done some CrossFit stuff before, and there's a, a, um, there's a workout coming up for Memorial Day at the end of May called Murph. Some of you may have uh, heard of Murph before, you can look it up, it is, uh, it's insane. Um, it is, what, 100 pull-ups, 200 push-ups, 300 squats, a mile run. Oh yeah, there's a mile, you start with a mile run, you do 100 pull-ups, 200 push-ups, 300 squats, and a mile run. That's the workout. And you do it, you're supposed to, men are supposed to do it with a 45-pound weight vest. Women are supposed to do it with a 25-pound weight vest. It's insane. 
So I just want you to imagine your best self doing one pull-up. Some, some of us, that's all we can hope for, right? Now put on the weight vest and do one pull-up, then do 99 more, then do run two miles, then do 200 push-ups and two, 300 squats. It, just imagine. It's crazy. Now, that workout comes from... Um, a connection to our uh, military, the armed services, that we are, in, in a sense, feeling some of the burden that they bear for us as they fight and sacrifice for our country. And that's, that's beautiful. But for the purposes of this illustration, do you see how much more difficult, exponentially more difficult, it would be to do something like that with a weight vest? In the same way, the pastor is calling us to run with focus, not on the things of our lives. Imagine, you know, you're rushing to get out the door, you've got your coffee cup, your cell phone, you've got all of your bags, you've got everything, and you're trying to sprint and make it, right? We saw that in New York. We were on our spring break trip in New York recently, and uh, just people trying to get to the subway, right? They're running late, and the doors are about to do this, and they're running, and they... It's difficult. If you're only focused on what's in front of you, there's no, no line of sight for you to the horizon. If there's no perspective, if you're not able to be free of all of those things that can bear us down, it makes the run that much more difficult. And the pastor calls us and says, do you see how all of these people have run this race before you? And this is how they did it. They put aside the things that distracted them. They put away the things that were holding them back, and they were able to run with focus. They were able to put aside that weight and to run with endurance. They were able to put one foot in front of the other. Even in the midst of the most difficult circumstances, they were able to move forward. And how do they do it? What's on the horizon? What is it that they look to? They look to Jesus, the founder the author, the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus is the pioneer, the one who has gone before us. He is the one who had all perfection with God. He had every joy, but humbled himself, became human, took on flesh, lived the life that we couldn't. He lived in our place. He took on the punishment, the shame of our sin, and he died for us. He ran the race for us. He plowed new ground for us. He cleared the way so that we could cross, so that we could run our race with endurance, without any of those things. If sin is holding you back, if your guilt or shame is is weighing you down, look to Jesus. The one who paid the penalty, who, who, who covered your guilt, who takes away your shame. You can only run because he first endured the, endured the shame, despising, uh, despising the shame, endured the cross, and achieved victory, seated at the right hand of the throne of God. we know that Jesus is better, 
If you know that experientially, if you have tasted that God is good, that he is kind to you, that Jesus is the one who lived for you, who died in your place, and you recognize that you are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, not just here in our midst, but those who went before us, our spiritual mothers and fathers, people who have poured into us, who have gone on to glory Even all the way back into the Old Testament, these saints, we get encouragement from them. We see what it looks like to put our faith, to lean in to Jesus. We're able to put aside every weight, the sin which which clings so closely, and we're able to look to Jesus. As we consider him, As we see all that he has done for us, we can see that the encouragement that we have to press on in our own faith. Wherever you may be in your faith this morning, if you uh, are questioning, trying to figure out who Jesus is and what he might mean for you, the place to do that is not on your own. The place to do that is in community. It's to people who have walked the road before you. One of the things that we encourage our students to uh, so much is to get plugged into the local church. They need to be with people who aren't 19. The collective wisdom of a bunch of 19-year-olds, it maybe doesn't amount to as much as, say, the collective wisdom of all of y'all, for example. And so it's been a great encouragement to us over the last eight years to be able to tell them that they're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, people to point them to Jesus, to look at what he has done for us. And because of all that he has accomplished, we're able then to run our own race together, side by side, pulling one another along, looking to Jesus, the one who has accomplished everything for us. So if I can encourage you in some small way, It's simply this. Jesus is better. And if you know that, it's going to lead you to throw off the sin that entangles. It's going to lead you into deeper relationships. It's going to allow you to endure even the greatest of sufferings. And you're going to do it together. There's so much encouragement that we've received from you all. We have loved this church. And we have been loved so well by you. Just encourage you. Keep it up. Keep loving those who come into your midst. Encourage them. Be that cloud of witnesses to one another and point to Jesus. Look to him in all that you do. Let's pray together. Lord God, we do thank you for um, your word. We thank you for, for Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith, the one who endured the cross despising its shame and is uh, seated victorious at the right hand of the throne of God. Father, we thank you for him. We thank you for this cloud of witnesses present here today and those, who, those saints who've gone before. Give us grace to face whatever it is that we may encounter. Help us to trust you. Help us to look forward and to lean by faith 
into the hope of the resurrection. Pray that you would bless this church, that it would be a place for many of encouragement, of seeing their sin thrown aside, of seeing encouragement to run the race with endurance. God, would you give us that grace this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.